Let's talk about uh, the state of modern society today. The rising uh, problems, political problems, economical, economic problems, environmental problems are showing us that, we are, that the modern society has been a disconnect. The state of water today tells us, shows us well that disconnect and the one-sidedness of modern consciousness. If you understand water better, we understand that the problem has to be solved first within ourselves and it cannot be done with a few superficial efforts to repair the damage. We cannot no longer remove plastic and water out of the oceans and new inventions of plant-based uh, plant plastic and biodegradable plastic will also not do the, do the trick. Wearing peace sign and love sign and unity sign on our accessories, fashion accessories, will also not raise our consciousness. I believe that um, higher level of human consciousness is needed to, to reverse the devastating course we are on in destruction of our planet and including our own species. As Einstein said, that uh, the problem can be solved in the level of consciousness that has been created. Where do you think we are at on individual level with understanding of the level of change that is needed and do you think uh, we are able to do the work that is necessary? That's good. You start nice and light with a simple question, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's amazing. I mean, everything you're saying, there, there's so much I can say. Um, the first thing is just to address what you're saying about the nature of our sort of political engagement right now, where we are so surface, which is such a part of our culture. So the idea that, yes, we're in a peace sign or voting for this person or, you know, joining this group will make a difference, which actually doesn't. The work is deep. It, it's very difficult. It's actually personal. So everything that you talked about, all these problems are based on selfishness because it's the love of self over everything else. On a spiritual level, to me, that's the only answer. It's not political anymore. It's not environmental. It's not. When I look at people who, myself included, who destroy the environment, who destroy everything around us, is unconsciousness. You cannot be a conscious person and destroy things. So first and foremost, and the only thing to me, is to actually do internal work. And if internally you're doing a the work, then you can be trusted with the environment. When I look around and I see a lot of good-intentioned people who might wear those peace signs, um, I don't see the internal work. So we are at this brink of disaster. I don't see people moving fast enough. Having been in people's heads for 30 years, I feel like people only really respond when there is a disaster. But it's on a personal level or a social level. Maybe that will be different in the time of our children, um, but certainly this seems to be the energy right now. So to me, the answer to all the questions you're asking is the same, which is we have to internally do the work, and we can't affect other people. It's a personal thing. So what is the violence in our culture? What is the destruction of our environment? And when I say us, I mean, we're talking, me and you as two people who were raised in different parts of the world but have lived in America and call America their home, but I'm talking from an American perspective because we can really, you know, we're all ethnocentric so we can talk about the perspective here, but pretty much it's an international thing as well. But we have so much, but we don't have ourselves in this culture. So for me as a child, and I'm sure, well, I'm going to talk for you, maybe for you, you know, we've lived in countries where people didn't have as much. So there was a level of connection because 
there wasn't the level of disconnection that so much material wealth can give you access to. Having lived in this country for 35 years, it is amazing even the amount of material wealth that's manifested, let's say, in the last couple of decades. It just really allows us to disconnect. And it's sort of a self-feeding mechanism in that we want to disconnect, and it's also a political oppression tool where all these tools emasculate us from actually taking any kind of movement. So it comes to this fact of I'm going to wear a peace sign and I think the world's going to change. I'm going to change the light bulb and the world's going to change. Yeah, I feel like everything turns into external. So I, uh, I wear a peace sign or I recycle. Um, like we're trying to be our best to avoid like things that really needs to, to be done within ourselves. And yes, like you said, like when I, when I grew up and we didn't have, we had one kinds of chocolate, one kind of cereal, one kinds of things. It, I believe in some way it allows, it allows a person the space for the, what you bring to the, to the plate, the, for develop your own lifestyle. And here you're constantly bombarded and confused. And uh, it's just too many choices. Um, what about media? I'm interested, I know in one hand media is helping us to connect with the environment and understand what is going on on the other side of the globe. We also communicate with more people, with people that we wouldn't communicate otherwise. We can share information and knowledge and so. So in, the other, in one hand, for sure, media is connecting us, but in the other hand, from what I see, media is also, is also helping us to disconnect uh, with our overuse of electronic devices, of uh, vanity of advertisement, lots of violence in news and movies. Um, what do you think the role of media is right now? What do you think, like, what is the impact on, on, uh, on in our life, the way we, re we relate to one another or the way we see um, the reality of the state of the world or our, our own connection to the environment and each other? For me, living in this country for so many years, I mean, the media thing is just frightening because it's become such a fascist tool. We have, what, four or five corporations that basically run the media in this country. The news that you hear is actually news that's been manufactured by the military-industrial complex and by people who actually don't want you to know about anything. So why aren't we hearing about the genetically modified food or we hear about it, it's very rare. Why aren't we hearing about the disaster with fracking or things like that, even though it's happening, but it's very rare. Why aren't we hearing about the agribusiness in this culture? Well, these are, you know, we live in a very fascist culture in many ways. And there's two levels. One is that this country has become much more fascist on a thought level, um, and it's been going that way, so before 9-11. But another level, on a deeper spiritual level, culture is not your friend. Culture's job is to perpetuate itself. Media is an agent of culture. Its interest isn't really you waking up, because if you wake up, you're not going to really be consuming, which is what this culture is based on. So the media thing is very tricky. On one level, yes, the whole Facebook phenomenon, let's say, or the cell phone phenomenon. We want to connect with another, one another. On another level, we actually don't want to connect. We want the feeling of connection without actually having the vulnerability that comes with connection. So it's sort of this fake sort of connection that's happening, that part's kind of frightening to, to watch. Um, just today I was driving, you know, c coming down to the city, and this person flew through a stop sign at 60 miles an hour upstate where I live in the country, and 
you know, I actually not stop at every sign as a motorcycle rider because I've learned that people aren't home. And just watching that person, and the person wasn't even aware that I was at the stop sign on their phone, literally at 60 miles an hour, without an awareness. That's us. We're driving at 60 miles an hour. It's just grace that we're not killing ourselves, and we are killing ourselves. So the answer to me, again, comes back to, like, how do we, you know, we live in this culture. This stuff's not going to go away. Whether it's the 300 choices of chocolate, whether it's, you know, um, the phones, the games, the this, the that. How do we connect with ourselves? To me, it's about really every day spending some time to connect with yourself. But for most people, that doesn't happen unless they've started suffering. But everything in this culture stops you from knowing that you're suffering. So if you're suffering, you're going to have four cups of coffee instead of one. And then you're going to be on your internet device for that much longer. And then you're going to come home and watch a movie. And then you're going to watch the porn, whatever it is. Disconnect, disconnect, disconnect. Be around other people who are disconnected. So to answer your question, the bigger question that we were asking in the beginning, are we going to wake up in time? I see people waking up. But I also see people's lives having to come apart before they wake up. So the question is, how bad do we want it? I mean, that's the question. On one level, nothing is happening. Like on, on a higher level, it's all one, blah, blah, blah. We have this connection. So if the planet goes on, doesn't go on, the planet has its own consciousness. The planet will take care of itself. It's about us as human beings. What, what are we doing? How are we writing that part of the story? It's being written as we're speaking right now. So people are waking up. I do see that in my practice. But I also see people really falling asleep and staying asleep, like working really hard to stay asleep. Like life knocking on their door and them putting the earmuffs on and then life lighting the house on fire and them, you know, putting blinders on. I mean, we're very adept at hiding. So the question is like a deeper place. What feeds us? Who are we? These questions have to be answered. To me, having been political and then becoming apolitical after years of just being really disheartened with it or environmentally doing my best in my own life to be active it's a bigger question the question is like do we wake up do we wake up at this juncture i believe we will but i also my sense is it's going to have to get a lot darker before it gets lighter look at all the stuff that's happened in the last couple of years right the nuclear thing in japan right here in new york we had a superstorm. everybody was freaked out about it here we are a couple of months out no one even thinks about it anymore that's human nature. I mean, we survive by forgetting. So the question is, how do we connect with ourselves so we don't forget? But my sense is, Gaia, that the planet will keep knocking at our door more and more and rapidly so we won't be able to forget. Yeah, the question is, like, how, yeah, exactly, how, how much worse does it have to get? Because at what point we will have to wake up? And uh, the problem is with the capital, because they always find a way to put us back to sleep, you know, so... Yeah. Like, like after September 11th, everybody couldn't wait to go back to, to shop. So everybody was running to shop because so they could feel order. better. That was actually the president's order, right? Oh, Pre really? President Bush actually said that. I mean, actually was go and shop to basically engage. That was actually the president yeah. said that. So it's interesting you're saying that. Yeah, yeah. But we're, we're co-conspirators. I mean, that's my thing. I, I really do believe that this culture has become, meaning the way, the, the forms of control, but we're conspirators. We're not just little victims here. You know, it's like the violence thing, these horrible things that are happening in these schools. I mean, yes, it's insane. Yes, okay, let's talk about gun laws. Wonderful. But, you know, how well is that working in other countries? In Brazil, you have gun laws, and all the criminals have all the guns. I mean, I'm not for or against it. These are not easy things. We keep thinking we can make laws. 
our country right now has been engaged in bombing the bejesus of brown people all around the world, just what we know for the last 10, 15 years. And we, we, we think this doesn't connect with us. I treat vets all the time. We all run around and wave flags and send them off on their way. You know how many of these poor men and women are coming home and we don't even spend a dollar taking care of them? I mean, it's like shameful with these traumatic brain injuries and all that. So the disconnect in us, and it's so huge. And we go like, how can this violence happen? We're a very violent culture. I don't mean just America. As a world, as a planet, we're, we're a violent culture. But again, we act like these things are these random pieces. We don't connect the hologram. We, we don't connect the whole piece. You know, we're not peaceful people, right? So you look at what we did to the Native Indians. You look at what we did to the African Americans and on and on and on. But these are not pleasant things to talk about. This is the shadow. This is our shadow coming out. It smells like shit, and we want to act like the toilet is functioning perfectly. Then the shit's flowing all over the living room, and then we wear special booties, and we get brown carpets, and we put nice flowers up our nose. No, there's no shit in the house. Now we're actually up on our neck in it. And we act like, no, this is actually a special bath. It's a warm bath. It's not sewer. It's up to yes. us. Exactly. Yeah, we were just talking about how uh, the addiction to media, why are we addicted, how even though we know that the quality of news is terrible, that it's more about the narrative and more close, it looks like more like an action movie than it really looks like a news. And the narrative, the stories are put into just for us to easily digest. There's no thinking involved. There is a lot of music in the back, so the sensories are fully employed. And there, of course, uh, every five minutes there must be commercials, and it's, there is so much commercials that just when you're really done with it and you want to get up, then they give you some promise. They will give you a news, but of course there is no news coming. Um, and why are we, why are we even watching anymore? Why don't we trust just our own senses and just try to find our own material to read to find out what's going on, or like just walk through the nature, or just have a coffee with with a friend or something? I think that would be uh, sometimes a little bit better connection to the to the what's going on than uh, being constantly bombarded. Uh, so it's in that level. It's news and the violence, and then and then. Um, constant texting and emailing and uh, finding out what is going on through the Facebook or through the electronic devices. Uh, it is, uh, it's amazing how hooked we are on adrenaline to keep on finding out about like something that is very raw emotions, negative emotions. Uh, uh, it seems to me also if you're looking at how movies change from like uh, like movies from 50s or 60s or J the Japanese movies, how we came now to something, to the movies that they are just like full of violence and pornography and side effects and robots, uh, uh, hardly any human qualities inside and a lot of uh, stimulation. Uh, how we are not understanding that we have to step back in order to spiritually survive? Well, we're numb. I mean... To your point, talking about like 50s and 60s, you know, news in this country, in America, you, you had no commercials. It was not allowed, you were not allowed to have commercials, right? So 60s, there was no, it was considered a very sacred thing. And then now you have these things where literally like two-thirds of it is commercial, and then you just kind of skip channels. I mean, and you look like who's choosing that these same stories are in all these different channels, whether it's public radio, because everything is so controlled on that level. So that's one thing. The bigger picture is we've become so numb that the only time we feel something is when it's this sort of radical, raw emotion thing. It's just what we were talking about earlier. 
about someone who has a piece of fruit and someone who eats three pieces of chocolate. If you're used to from the morning when you wake up having a cereal with sugar in it, coffee with sugar in it, a donut, then for lunch something with sugar in it, you're not really going to crave that piece of fruit. It's going to taste boring to you. If you're watching porn for two, three hours a day, as many men that I treat do so, how are you going to connect with another man or woman? You're not. Because energetically, your nervous system can only pick things up at such a high frequency. It doesn't really exist when things become lower. So to your point of sitting down and having a cup of coffee with a friend and connecting, we're absolutely terrified of connection. I remember myself when I was a drug addict and when I started becoming sober, I used to really be amused how people would just sit down and have dinner. I'd be like, really? So when is the drugs going to come out? I mean, how, you sit down and have dinner with a bunch of fucking jackasses. Like, what? Where, where is the excitement? It took years to be like, this is so fantastic to sit with a dear friend, sit down and eat a meal and not get twisted mentally because the nervous system takes years on that level. So we're at a culture where it's non-existent. We don't connect on that level. From the second when we wake up, we're running. And there is this built-in anxiety that we all have that's not answered that just gets more and more and more. And like any other addiction, it takes a lot to numb that feeling. So with this whole Sandy Superstorm, watching people freaking out on the street who had no power and their cell phones were dying, and that sort of addictive quality of like, where is this thing? It totally reminded me of people coming off drugs that I used to treat or myself back in the day or my friends where they were literally detoxing off the drugs. We're not talking here metaphorically. We're talking about a nervous system that's actually totally plugged into this media center. Now, all these things that we're talking about comes back to the same thing. How do we work with this? By becoming vulnerable. How do we become vulnerable? For pretty much everyone that I've treated in 30 years, myself included, it means being pummeled. You have to be really come to a place where you just can't do anything and you get pushed into it. So that part of it is really not pleasant. That's where this New Age movement even, you can't sell that. I mean, I see people do these 10 steps, this happens. It's like, no, this is really painful. It sucks. You basically have someone's going to put their foot up your ass. You're going to have to feel that pain, and then you'll change behavior. It's not going to come. It's not going to be on the evening news. It's not going to be read in a book. Media is not your friend. Culture is not your friend. Many times your friends aren't your friend when you start changing deeply unless they've done the work themselves because it points to them the fallacy of their life. So we're not talking about some scorched earth policy here, but it takes honesty, and we're so full of it. I mean, we are all master liars. It's not a pleasant thing when you look. If we slow down enough and really examine the, the true woman, the true man who's actually true to themselves, what the Sufis call a true human being, that's a tremendous amount of work. It's like being an amazing artist. You don't. You might be born with certain gifts, but it takes a lot of work to get to that level. So again, it's a matter of being vulnerable to oneself first and foremost. But we don't even know ourselves. How can we be in relationship with the earth, the relationship with our politics? Right? Again, you look at the politics of what's going on here. It's all, these people are all the same thing. Who's really taking care of the planet? The most important thing is the environment. Who's really, who's really dealing with that? Right? But they're a reflection of us. This us and them thing doesn't hold water anymore. Mm-hmm. Every time I see someone that drives me crazy, either on TV or something, I, I got to go back to myself. But like, wow, this is me. This is that checked part of me. This is that part of me can, that can lie so fluently. So when we get the president go up there and just with a smile on, on his face talk about bombing the bejesus of some Pakistani kid, that's me. 
that's my violence, that's your violence. This is not someone outside of us. So to me, the answer again comes back to looking at oneself, which is not pretty initially. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, who, is, uh, who are we? Who is, what is humanity? Who are we as a human beings? It's interesting because, you know, when I studied philosophy and you know, studied uh, Greeks, that was the question. You know, we are searching for a man. Who are we? What is happiness? What is good life? What is virtue? That used to be a question. And now it's completely out of fashion. Yes. Now it's just like how much money can you make? How do you look? How, how long can you sustain the money, the wealth, and the look? And um, how well, like, like you would say, like how well can you survive being checked out? How well can you keep on going and not feeling the pain? You know, how sophisticated, sophisticated you got with that. And, you know, talking about the relationships, like especially through media and pornography and, and uh, use of electronic devices, the relationships that we are having, we are also now the other person becomes the consumption. We want to consume the other. We want to decaffeinate the other. We don't want the other in a raw form as a spirit, the spirit and flesh. No, we want the other to look like something that like, a mo like the pro the the role models that media is portraying and it has to look like this and the lighting should be the same and you know hopefully I have some music in the background playing so I can really consume you. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's like there is no uh, when when I was reading this book about men uh, in search of its uh, of in its meaning. meaning. Yeah. yeah. Such amazing uh, book because he's talking about like will to purpose and you know how will to purpose can be love. But what's interesting in that is that nobody talks about how what do you bring to the picture, how, and what when you bring something to the picture. First of all, you have to know a little bit more about yourself. You have to be also have ability to be full, and the first stability is to love to have a big heart. So you first, it first comes to your ability to bring the love out, and then of course then there must be a subject that has love, not just a body that you found on the other side. So that is not practical. So we have all these books written and all these steps, how to consume the other, how to get to the other, and how not to feel traumatized and not to feel stressed while you're doing it. Because even though that is okay, you know, it's, it's, it's fine, but it really doesn't deal with the essence. And then you see, like, all about these dating sites and people going out and just wanting to consume more, more of the other because there is no other on the other side because there is also no subject, there is no object. So I feel like, you know, this constant, you know, constant this idea of dating is also because there's, there is no idea what people are going for. It's almost like substituting, like, having a really good job with a high pay with a, with a purpose, with a job with a purpose. First you find a purpose and then you find a form for it. Mm -hmm. First you love and then you find a form of relationship. Mm -hmm. You first you have an, you know, like idea of like a uh, creative impulse, then you find a medium for it. It's not vice versa. You can never substitute form for the substance. You cannot, you cannot get there. It's like, it's, it's like this plastic surgery of today of people. It's just telling us and all the, all the, uh, uh, the posters on the streets of the of aliens and robots, we yeah. really become that. We and really become and the and vampires, vampires. and is, vampires. Which yes, is amazing, yeah. Right? I so. have like about I think like about seventy pictures in the last two years of vampires, robots, yeah. and aliens. And they're all like, and then you know now the cowboys already having a gun. Then there are aliens in the shoe for the children's torso, and that shoe has to light up. So there's always some, some kind of a super super 
hero in the un in one hand, our fantasy that somebody will save us and we will actually rule over nature and over, over the source of life and the, and the essence of life and we can survive that, we are better, we are the gods, we can put the crown on it. And the other hand is um, this other person, since it's for the consumption, it also has to look, it has to be packed for the consumption. I mean, again, you, you're touching on so many important points here. Um, but it all fits in, right? So when you're talking about, if people haven't read this book, um, Victor Frankel's Search for Meaning, Logotherapy, which was his thing, um, I mean, look how he came to it from a concentration camp. So it took abject terror and suffering for him to come up with this brilliant thing. So again, it goes back to what we started the talk with, where it does take suffering to face these things. The thing that I'm always intrigued with as, as a person who works with archetypes and shadows is this idea on the media right now. We have this alien thing, mm -hmm. the robot thing, and the vampire thing. And it's us, right? The vampire thing is what we do to each other, which is everyone's consuming each other. Um, the robot thing is our level of basically inability or inability and unwillingness to feel. So we're in this sort of robotic thing and where efficiency is really the master. And the alien thing, I mean, it's just so obvious. I mean... Part of it is because we're aliens to ourselves, and part of it, again, is this fantasy. Whether you believe in aliens or not is not the point. Is We're human beings. We're not aliens. I mean, actually, people who have had really profound experiences of seeing aliens, now whether that's true, they don't seem psychotic to me, I don't even care about that. My point as a human being who in this incarnation is embodied in a human's body, I want to have a human experience. If there is aliens, I either was there or I'll be there. I'm not really concerned with that right now. So that's one aspect of it. The other part of it is, remember, it actually fits in everything systematically to what we're talking about. Because all these ways of dissociating makes you a better consumer. If Tanya, or if Abdi doesn't know who Abdi is, or Tanya doesn't know who Tanya is, then everything you were saying about the consumption, we go towards it. You know, I treat a lot of um, people over the years who are... Um, how, how do you, how, what, uh, what do you call it? Photoshop? They do Photoshop for magazines. They do the photo editing. Uh, and they basically manipulate the pictures. And it's mind-blowing to me, because they know my interest in culture, where they'll bring me a picture of a model before and after, or a person, the regular person. And just the fact that sometimes if you look at these pictures, it's impossible for a human being to look like that. Once they Photoshop out mm -hmm. this, this part of the body, this part of the butt, elongate this, shorten that, it's like night and day. But we're fed this bullshit all the time, without realizing it. Now, it sounds very pedantic. Actually, it's not, because we're fed this stuff from the side of the bus that goes by, from the subway that goes by. We constantly are in that ideal state and look for that ideal state. And we're in so much trouble already connecting with another human being. And our mind throws any excuse not to be connected with someone. Oh, this person is too young, this person is too old, too poor, too fat, too this, too that. <laughs> then you add this stuff to it on top of it. So, you know... I treat people who have met their spouses on dating sites all for it. I'm not for or against that, but absolutely it can be another way to also check out because I treat a lot of men and women who use it while they're married that I've known who actually use it to sexually find mates. It's like the new pickup scene. I mean, it's we are so twisted on that level. And again, not a moral thing. You want to fuck around? Do it. Do it honestly. Be honest about it. I see people who are even like single, they tell these stories, just like be honest about it. We, have, we don't really understand what honesty is because no one's with us. One of the most, just as a side note, one of the most common things that I hear from men and women when they're about to get involved in a relationship is they actually want to play it a certain way. 
Like, okay, what should I say? So, my, you know, my pat answer is like, well, let's try honestly. How about just saying to this person, I mean, well, no, you can't say that because if you say that, then they have something over you. But that's how we're starting. But that's a very common thing. And I'm not talking about There was lots of books written about it. How, yes. how to do that? Yeah. Yes. Right. How to... Uh, my, fr my friends had it... Uh, my, my friends had like this, but there was this book about like how to deduce a man or something that came out and everybody was reading it everywhere. So my roommate had it and I said, let me take a look at it. And it was basically systematically how to always have something over men and also how to uh, be nice and sweet, but <laughs> in, uh, I don't know, something like that you're constantly crashing their self-esteem or something, yeah. and you, host, you have to keep it that way. That's amazing. <laughs> that, that is that, and then, you know, then <laughs> on the side they show you the moves how to seduce. Of course, there's no seduction in this culture anymore anyway, but, you know, they show you in that side, in, in, that, in one hand they're telling you how to seduce, in the other way, in the other hand you're crashing him. This is how you really keep the relationship going, and this is the smooth way to get in. The relationship, yeah. So. But, but that's mind-blowing, right? I mean, again, it's like we have this model for control. And that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not even surprised. Of course, I'm surprised that there's a book on this because that's, that's how we connect. So going back again to the original idea when we say, like, why are we so disconnected? We're disconnected on every level. We're disconnected from ourselves. Then by trying to connect to others, we manipulate the situation. It's basically like someone who lies. And after a while, the lies are so much, you don't even know who... The guy was like I started as Abdi the acupuncturist, and by the end I'm like King Muhammad from Ben blah blah blah, and I drive and just at some point like, hey, you know you're you're Abdi the acupuncturist, I'm like what are you talking about? No, I'm King blah blah blah. And they're just like what are you talking about? That's how disconnected we are. Mm -hmm. We even forget mm -hmm. the basic stuff, mm -hmm. and then the media now also makes it easier. The media using now Facebook, where people have these very idealized self images. Mm -hmm. Like the thing that I love about Facebook is like. I don't have a personal side on it, but I have my, you know, my, my work stuff that I post on there. But just once in a while, just looking at the obviously idealized self-images uh -huh. that people put up there. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You know, not like, oh, I'm a drug addict. I'm an asshole. I just got left by my boyfriend or girlfriend. I suck at relationships. It's always these, like, perfect lives. These things are so wonderful. I'm doing such cool things. That's our spiel. Mm -hmm. That's our spiel. And that's wonderful as long as it's not 24-7. Unfortunately, it's 24-7 now. Mm -hmm. So that's 15 minutes of fame that Andy Warhol used to talk about. Now it's about 24 hours of fame yeah. every day. Yeah. yeah, it's all about uh, glorifying the, our egos a little bit further because now we can really be part of yes. media. Yes. And, uh, because we're so disconnected. So again, when mm -hmm. you once in a while, you know, I take trips, for example, when, you know, ride my motorcycles in the desert. You forget things that are obvious to me and you as people who weren't raised here, but you run into someone who actually doesn't care about media, who actually doesn't care about Brad Pitt's life story. It's like almost like shocking, right? It's like, because it always blows my mind how the coolest people that I can meet in New York sometimes are really intrigued by some famous people's lives. It's a disease that permeates all of us. Like you meet the coolest person, some coolest woman, you have the coolest discussion, philosopher, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but did you hear Joe Blow had this little thing removed from his butt, his pimple, you're like, who cares? But that's how brainwashed we are. And we don't even know who these people are. No. They don't know who themselves. No, that's why they're so confused because they're seeing they themselves know. in the newspapers. Yes. So they're thinking, I better live up to that standard. I better yes. have a makeup on all the time, have the sunglasses that I wasn't having yes. in this picture. My life is falling apart because I never had ch chance to examine it. So isn't it interesting that what we're idealizing <laughs> is a myth 
with somebody who's already disconnected where this so again it goes back to this house of marriage but they all look the same to the begin with yeah and we, and we all they do and more and more and it's becoming more and more or let's say less and less of any kind of uh, backbone where for the for it to be consumed whatever that product is whether it's a musician mm-hmm. an actor it's becoming more and more packaged. something's packaged so there's no that the cool sense of like some 50s or 60s badass woman or man who had this like outrageous we're, we're checked out that's one piece of it. The other sad piece of it is watching these people in public life basically become destroyed because that's one thing about our psyche. We love to tear down people that we put up because that's how we actually deal with our shadow. Mm-hmm. So whether you think some athlete is a scumbag or not or some actor, we idealize them for 5, 10, 15 years. Then the whole culture can turn on them. Why? Because that's the aspect of ourselves that we can accept. We project on this poor person and we tear them down. So it's very interesting. Again, there's a whole archetypical play coming up mm-hmm. on that level. It's interesting. I, I always thought about, like, why are we doing that? I never, I never thought of it. I thought we were just uh, so afraid to deal with our own lives. But it's interesting because I was noticing that. And, and then they show woman is beautiful. And then the other day she's with no makeup, makeup in cellulite. And God forbid she has stretch mark after she gave birth. Yeah. You know, she's a human being. And now we're going to oh, destroy okay. it for that. Because... because well, because they don't live up to that idealized self-image anymore. Because we can't live up to our idealized self-image. So it's very interesting, right? This idea of idealized self-image is really, really important. I mean, I've mm-hmm. talked about it ad nauseum, yeah. but basically think of it as we come up with a wound. That wound is not acceptable to us. So we put a mask on it. So then that mask is who we think we are instead of what's the wound underneath. Now, the wound underneath is just festering. It's getting infected. It's getting smelly. It's getting gangrene. But the idealized self-image, we, we basically hoard everything in our lives to live up to it. Mm-hmm. Even a lot of the things that drive us, mm-hmm. whether it's our lovers or our status or our job, it's feeding that idealized self-image. When life knocks on your door, we talk about Viktor Frankl, when he goes mm-hmm. to concentration camp, there is no room for idealized self-image. Mm-hmm. When you have the cruelty of some Nazi beating the hell out of you, you have nothing left. That's when you start looking at these things. Now, for most of us, thank God, we don't have that kind of experience anymore. But it can be a disease. It can be a divorce. It can be our children giving us the middle finger. It can be getting fired when we think we're doing so well. Those things break down this idealized self-image. That idealized self-image is what's taken us to all these problems on the planet. Because we're not in relationship with ourselves. Yeah, because we don't know, also we don't know what's really valuable like uh, also in this book of uh, uh, Victor Franklin, he's talking about how today we, we cherished young and youth and, and success and somebody's useful. We don't know who's actually noble anymore. We don't know what the value is of the human being anymore. And since we don't know what the, our essence are, then of course we put the effort on the outside and we try to look as uh, the way we would supposed to look, the way you know, media portrayed and so on, and it's never-ending story. It's just like a terrible, painful journey. And Um, think when he wrote that. So think about how many decades ago he wrote that book, and now multiply that astronomically, because it's not a matter of like multiply it by a couple of numbers. This is actually astronomical what's happened, the level of disconnection, since when that book came out. Mm -hmm. Because we have no sense of self. The Mm -hmm. idea of being noble or nobility, and I don't mean it in some heroic mean. I mean, 
For me, someone noble. Okay, so you're a single mother in New York raising two kids. That's noble. You are a single father. Right? That's noble. I'm not talking about saving the world and mm-hmm. being some superhuman being. We have no idea anymore. We don't see these things as noble. It's nothing to us. It's more impressive if it's something that's like extravagant. We don't, mm-hmm. We're so disconnected on that level. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about, you know, an image of a body, like not only we want to consume the other, but we, we put ourselves for the consumption. So we want to make sure we have nose like everybody else, like uh, hair like everybody else, cheekbones like everybody else, like all the women I see on the street and people I know past 35, they all have something done with their lips and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm out for the consumption. Who would do such a thing if they would know what really is all about? Because they're not home. I mean, to me, something that's always been amazing is um, traveling and seeing men and women, you know? Like, you go to Africa or you go, I was just in Mexico. And to me, there's nothing more beautiful than I look at a man who's been in the sun or a woman who's been in the sun for 60, 70 years. And that look of, and, and it's just beautiful. You just want to, like, kiss them. That would never fly here. But that person wouldn't be able to do that if they were constantly being wrapped around of the bullshit that we're wrapped around here. So again, that, the, the price of living outside and instead of living inside out is at some point you're going to have to deal with that. And usually it's the last couple of days or hours or months of your life when <laughs> death comes knocking on your door. That kind of plastic look and Botox look. and I mean, just, just the image of Botox, right? You cannot emote. Like to me, I, I just look at people who have the Botox, you know, which in New York City is a very common thing, in the forehead or in the face. You cannot show emotions. But that's us. We actually idealize not being able to show emotions. And everything Mm -hmm. around us teaches us that. So again, to bring it back to what you're saying in the beginning of the conversation, yes, the level of disconnection is because there's nobody home. How do you become home? Step at a time. To me, we can sit down and like uh, talk about these things for days and really bum bum ourselves out. What is the solution? You have to know who you are. You said something really powerful about the Greeks, about the idea of who am I? So they were looking for happiness. Now, when you go into Vedanta, when you go to the Indians, they actually took that one step further, which was like, not who am I, what brings me happiness, but actually, who am I? Is this I real or not? If this I is not real, and not in some kind of philosophical term, but you have a direct experience of that, then if it's not real, or if it's everything, you can't but have love and compassion for other people. Most of our love and compassion is a shtick, to actually consume people, but in a more nice way. Mm-hmm. It's a more cloaked version of mm-hmm. To actually not want to consume people, you with your children, we actually want to be there for them and not consume them. I think that's probably the most pure if someone's conscious. That can only happen if we loosen this knot of who we think we are. If Abdi's really solid, and I believe Abdi to be real, then Abdi's going to just take whatever he can and fuck everything over because it's only Abdi against the world. That's most of us. If Abdi can relax a little bit in the sense of Abdi, be like, wait a minute, maybe Tanya and Abdi, there's not that much of a differentiation between them. And Abdi and Tanya's children, and Abdi and Joe Blow, there's not that much of a differentiation. Then Abdi can actually have a chance to not put himself first. The answer to the environment is actually that. It's not going to come from laws and this and that. Laws are basically for morons who can't have an understanding of connection with themselves. Thou shall not kill is for some... You know, we still need, yeah. need to have these laws because that's how disconnected we are. But to go to this next level, we have to realize our oneness. I do believe that's happening. Will it happen fast enough? It doesn't even matter because it's happening. 
So what, will it fa happen fast enough so people can still go to Burger King? Maybe not. Maybe that's not such a bad thing. Um, will a lot of the population of the world suffer? We're definitely heading that way. These Sandian things will start happening every couple of minutes. Forget about a couple of months. But we are waking up, and I really feel that's why we're here. Who am I? Who's Tanya? But beyond the happiness quotient, because happiness comes and goes, who we are is actually this sense of really wonderful sense. We never slow down to taste it. But more a sense of peace. Because if you're everything, nothing can harm you. If nothing can harm you, there's no fear. If there's no fear, there's no need for protection. That's the main thing here. Mm -hmm. But yeah. you got to give up a lot of shtick to, to touch that. And it's so simple. Yeah. It's as simple as you feeling your feet right now, dropping your breathing down. Yeah, fear and scarcity, definitely this culture goes hand by hand. Um, but that's a part of separation. Yeah. Right? There, what, what, there's the illusion of separation, yeah. Beautiful. So well yeah. said. So it's the illusion of separation because for there to be fear, there has to be more than one person in the room. If I'm mm -hmm. alone in a room and I know I'm alone, what am I afraid of? The second I get scared is when I feel there's someone out there that can threaten me. So if we can touch that feeling, which is really is this Bali felt sense, oh, it's really all one. That's just relaxing. That's when people love having a drink or love doing ecstasy or love smoking pot. It's not the real experience because it's just a little <laughs> mirage of it, but it's that feeling of relaxing. Well, you can actually do that every day. Mm -hmm. But you think about it from the second we wake up, mm -hmm. that 16 hours, everything is based on making that sense of self, mm -hmm. the false self, more real. <laughs> and then we don't even do 10 minutes of meditation. Meditate for 10 minutes a day to loosen that self and see what happens. Mm -hmm. The rest of the stuff, we can talk about it. It's interesting. To me, that's the bottom line. Mm -hmm. Start cooking the food. Start eating it, see if it nourishes you or not. We can talk about starvation. We can say, look at my skin's coming off. Look how bad my rickets is. Oh, this menu is so great. My grandmother said you make this great bolognese sauce. It's like, let's cook it. Let's eat it. Let's see if it's real or not. Um, yes, that idea of uh, understanding that how the importance to find out who you are, and that uh, I believe that's the highest responsibility we have to hold your own integrity on your own light or... Uh, find out who you are and act from that truth, I think there's no higher responsibility. You can go and ask your lawyers or your business advisor or your accountant or your uh, therapist or teacher. It, by, the, by the end of the day, you have to know who you are and you have to make decisions based on that. And then if you understand how important that is, then you also understand how important silence and peace is. So that's... Uh, you know, if from the moment you wake up, you, you know, you check your iPhone, then you put some uh, news on, and then, you know, you go, whether you take a cab and you, you have a TV there, or you go to the subway and you see, like, advertisement there, and then you come to work and so on. So we don't have, first of all, we don't have, I feel like, enough um, space and time that we allow ourselves to, to be, because we don't understand how important it is. It's the most important thing. Yeah, it's the most important thing. Right, so it's, it's actually the most important thing. It's interesting. You're, you're such a Hegelian. Uh, my love of Hegel is there with you. It's, um, you know, it's not to put down these things. So the business advisor, I've never had one, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Um, the therapist, you know, for example, let's talk about psychology for a second. The job of the therapist is for you to identify yourself and to help heal that. But then there's a level after that. Mm -hmm. It's not just to make the ego function smoother, which absolutely is crucial. It's been very useful in my own life. But what's the next step after psychology? Is to get the idea of self so you can actually go beyond the self. 
So that's the one piece that seems to be missing. And again, going back to what we started the conversation with, everything in culture will make sure that you don't go beyond the self. Because culture is based on protecting the self, nurturing the self, and sort of pushing it forward into history. It's not really concerned with going beyond the self, because that actually would just show culture for what it is, which is a bunch of mechanisms to keep this sort of game going. Now, our job is to actually wake up. And yes, if you're going so many hours a day, 16 hours a day, being forced to sleep, as you say beautifully, you get in a cab or the subway and now the TV screens and your phone and this and that, you have to create a little bit of time so you can actually hear yourself. It doesn't take that much time if you can do that. But understand that anytime you start to do that, you're going to feel anxious. There'll be a feeling of anxiety that's going to come up, not because there's anything that's dangerous, because you've become so foreign to yourself that you're actually going to feel anxious meeting yourself. It's like meeting a lover that you've been seeking for your whole life, but it's become so foreign that the second you see them, you actually freak out. You're like, what am I, I got to go. But your whole life, you're having this chance of meeting this being that you want to meet so bad. It's yourself. All the stuff we want with lovers, all the stuff we want with acquisition is the thing that we already are. But it seems so simple and it seems so counterintuitive exactly because culture makes it so every second. You're nothing, you're worthless without these false lips, you're nothing without these pants, without this weight, whatever the thing is. So again, it comes back to this idea of all those things are important. It's apples and oranges. You know, you do need to have your bank account sorted out so you can pay your bills. You need your health sorted out so you can actually do these things. You do need to go to school if you want to pay for those things. But these are separate things. And we've actually managed so beautifully to even use very powerful spiritual practices as a way of not knowing ourselves. It's like we have a Ferrari in a garage and we go in there put the key in the ignition without turning around and go vroom, vroom, vroom and make sounds and act like we're driving everywhere and the car's never left the garage. Now, that car can be yoga, that car can be Buddhism, that car can be mystic Christianism, Sufism, but we don't actually practice them. We even have managed to use these very powerful tools as a way of disconnecting, tools that were designed to connect. So we can never trust ourselves. Always question one's intent is my sort of rule. What is my intent here? Am I trying to connect? Am I actually connecting? Am I feeling more disconnected? Yeah, the flexibility of ego. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, if you don't wanna, if you don't wanna connect, you're just gonna, and you, you know, have a sophisticated ego. You're gonna just yes. do it in, do do another thing in very sophisticated way to say to yourself. Um, well, I'm more spiritual now, or I'm a better person now, but you will actually not do it. And uh, as I mentioned before, the sign of unity and love, uh, when I start to see that, <laughs> that, uh, that symbols and signs in big department and fancy department stores, then I knew, first of all, how bored people with money got mm -hmm. and how desperate for meaning. And second of all, how far we got is with doing it, how how far we got with doing things just in the way that, that um, not doing it for real. Like, for example, I don't want to say anything bad about, for example, the T-shirts that uh, Bono came up with, the, uh, the red, red T-shirts, but, you know, the, the way he figured that 
they're going to get sold is like if they if there are movie stars on it and they have a big muscles or a nice breasts or something like that so people would then want to be cool so they did it to be cool to me that is one of to me personally that's one of the most dangerous things i see that the symbolism so we talk about humanity when i say you know uh, the name of my organization is our humanity matters everybody just stares at me and says but what is humanity and but humanity can be also bad they have no idea what it is because it's been written too many times so what is it how do you define humanity to me humanity is a set of noble values such as compassion reciprocity creativity passion empathy I don't see particular humanity personally as as bad. Like people said, well, you know, we, we do, you know, we see all the violence, and people like to watch violence. And I feel like that this is a declination of humanity. I think humanity within human beings is the set of noble values, and I think it's very important to to create sustainable vision, an enlightened vision, so we can move towards that vision. Because if one doesn't have a, a noble or a good vision, they will never get there. You first always have a vision. You always have idea first, and then you move towards. So I think right now we don't have a sustainable and enlightened vision for humanity because, as I said, I didn't hear one person saying, oh, I know what humanity is, or when I tell, told them what I think humanity is, is, they were looking at me very puzzled. How can humanity no, not be all sorts of bad things, too? And I and I, when I mean humanity, I don't refer on the physical bodies of human beings around the world, but in the sets of values and the core of it that, is, that we need to sustain. And hopefully we can come up with some other, other elements that we would say that humanity should hold or can hold in the future. And, uh, so what's your suggestion on a daily level? How would one come up with that? What, is, what, what do you mm. suggest to people? If I ask you, okay, so I want to get in touch with my humanity, mm. how can you guide me? What would you say to me? Because what you're saying is what mm -hmm, the Sufis mm -hmm. would call a true human being, right? Is, yes, is what yes. many spiritual... Because uh -huh. a true human being is one a woman or a man who's actually transcended mm -hmm. the ego and then all the things that you're saying that are natural to it mm -hmm. because it feels mm -hmm. this oneness and then if it feels oneness... It is, the words are obviously asinine on that level to say it, but mm -hmm. there is reciprocity because everything's the same. There mm -hmm. is love because everything's the same. And it's all, so that's the answer. So I would say to you, in your idea, how does that work? Where, mm -hmm. where, where is the piece in that? Well, I don't think I have personally an answer on individual level, mm -hmm. but uh, I would say the closest would be, like you said, knowing yourself, meditation, yes. and uh, yes. feel the interconnectedness with all and the responsibility of all and love for all, like yes. being in love with the world. And, um, but you have to be in love with yourself yeah. to be in love so with the it, world. So it does come down to, your, to, to you, to, the to, individual, you. It, to individual, absolutely. Beyond the ego, the individual beyond the beyond ego. ego. Yeah. Beyond the ego. Um, and, you know, yeah. you need the ego as a tool not as the master. Mm -hmm. The ego as a servant is very powerful. And we have lots of people in mental institutions who've had these breakthroughs, but the ego is either mm -hmm. dysfunctional or not present, so they can't function in the mm -hmm. world. So it's not about decimating the ego. It's a matter of the ego mm -hmm. becoming a servant and serving exactly what you're describing. Mm -hmm. So this awareness of mm -hmm. the oneness mm -hmm. with this ego intact. And I feel like that's where we're coming to now. Mm -hmm. And there is... 
there's a sense where there's a little bit of less charge there because mm-hmm. all these negative pleasures that absolutely. you're talking about, yeah, the porn, absolutely. the shopping, that stuff falls away. Mm-hmm. That stuff falls away. But then there is a peace there, but we don't really like peace anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like kind of, I, I live in a country and sometimes mm-hmm. I invite people up to the country and it's so interesting for me to watch the first day mm-hmm. or two or the whole time they're there, they start and it's so peaceful. And they start with pounding the coffee and going on the internet. Because they haven't yet understood or felt, and it's not a judgment, it was the same for me when I first moved up there, to feel the serenity. The serenity mm-hmm. is very powerful, but the charge, you cannot really sell someone who's a cokehead on serenity. Mm-hmm. They want to do the coke, that's how they feel alive. Mm-hmm. So they go with the coffee and they go on the internet, and to have that come out of your system takes practice. Mm-hmm. This again comes back to the meditation. Mm-hmm. Not meditation to get somewhere, meditation is to remember who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not some great discovery. It's there. Mm-hmm. You know, people are looking for teachers for this, for that. If we sit our ass down a couple of minutes every day and start with that, even if you're going to drink your three cups of coffee, start without the charge initially, and just feel that for a second, mm-hmm. for five minutes, for ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I really feel the things that you're describing will come easier, and it won't be mm-hmm. some. It might not be on the top of New York Times. It'll just be, oh, you know, Tanya had this experience today. And then she went outside and she breathed the air and really connected with it. And yeah, went home and connected with her two boys. And out of that, these two boys. I mean, it's really like that. You know, it sounds like some... The problem is today you have to brand it, you know. Yes. You have to yes. brand it. You have to find yeah. somebody that looks real good. Yeah. That breathes yeah. very well, nice air and then feels really good and yeah. looks even more beautiful. It's more right. successful by the end of the day. I feel that stuff's coming apart now. I really mm-hmm. feel that stuff won't work. And it won't be because of culture itself. I feel because of the limited, limited resources and what's happening with the weather changes. Mm-hmm. You know, w- when this stuff happened in New York, when, you know, for us as New Yorkers, just like 9-11, these horrible things happened. None of us are thinking about body image or this or that. We're in survival. <laughs> Most of the question is how do you touch on that when you're not in that fear mode? But I feel like on a planetary level that there is something happening. Mm-hmm. There is something happening. But that doesn't make us not do our work. We have to do our work. Mm-hmm. Just because it's happening, we still have to pitch in every day. Mm-hmm. So, again... A part of that energy is like chip, pitch in every day and see where you're at, see where you're full of shit, where you're connected, mm-hmm. where you're being fed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were talking about the, co- the countryside, it's also one thing I feel like that it used to be when we were surrounded with nature and it was not all just gray square buildings and every tree was fenced and like, uh, or if there is even a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was already connection with the environment and it was already meditative experience Mm -hmm. because the nature can be very powerful. Mm -hmm. But now we don't have that. Not only we don't have three-dimensional real space meetings with people or interaction, we also don't live in the real world anymore. Mm -hmm. We live in a constructed world, world Mm -hmm. that is put on the picture. So how can one breathe in and breathe out and that kind of on the screen? Uh, No, you're you're absolutely correct. One thing that I've done in New York, I haven't lived here 35 years, I... Two things that I do. I will, whenever I'm walking, I actually start teaching myself. I've taught myself, but I still do it. I actually look as far up as I can where I can look at the sky. Mm-hmm. So actually I will stand somewhere mm-hmm. once in the morning, once at night to look at the sky because it connects me with something. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is just the idea of in a city environment landscape to just look up, to constantly kind of move your gaze up so you get out of that super heady place is a very powerful practice. Mm-hmm. You live somewhere like New York, there's so much beautiful architecture, some... A lot of it's been destroyed. But you actually really take mm-hmm. that in. So the idea of actually just disconnecting from this heady space is a pra- part of the practice. Mm-hmm. And then, yes, connect with nature. But you can just sit down and sit your ass down and connect. It's all inside of you. 
It's all there. Like I understand, of mm -hmm. course, the environment affects us, but it's all actually inside of us. Mm -hmm. So that part of it, again, it's about don't be a stranger with yourself. The rest reveals itself. Mm -hmm.